You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. Midco SN is proud to bring you the region's best coverage of University of North Dakota athletics, including live UND hockey this weekend against St. Cloud State and football senior day against Southern Utah, plus new episodes weekly of Day by Day and North Dakota Hockey Central. It's all on Midco SN. This is how we do sports, and this is the Built Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Build Shaves Podcast, taping this on a Tuesday afternoon, November the 19th, about a week away from Thanksgiving. Just a lot of things going on. We, of course, have not potted for a little while, Bill, but doesn't mean that we're still not <laughs> on top of what's been happening. You've been a busy man traveling all across the country. How are you doing? How are things over the last week or so? Yeah, thanks, Alex. No, I, a lot of crossover right now, for sure. Once the basketballs really kick into gear, uh, you know, and obviously fall sports are, are, are ending as well. And so, or, or you know, some are still uh, uh, still. Uh, going on. But at the end of the day, yeah, it was in one of those modes, that 10 day mode where I was on the road with uh, multiple teams and just, uh, that's just the way the schedule kind of played itself out. And so I always, I always look at, uh, probably about five months ahead is where I'm at as far as where I think I'm going to go from a traveling standpoint. And there's reasons why, whether it be from a donor standpoint or um, it, it could be um, maybe something to do within the industry, it might make sense to go. So last week, you know, just was one of those weeks where, you know, we had a home hockey about 10 days ago and then kind of got on a plane and went to Weber State with football and then was with men's basketball at Gonzaga and then uh, got back and uh, woke up and went with hockey to Denver. And so uh, knowing that Denver was going to be, you know, a a big series for us, you know, you kind of sometimes have to make decisions on certain home events versus road events. And so uh, I put it in the capable hands of our associate athletic directors uh, last week with football, and they did a they did a great job. And uh, uh, and then of course knowing that we had football again this weekend in Senior Day, so that's kind of the reason why we I guess missed out on a week of potting. But you know we tried to stay ahead a little bit, and I was glad that we had Coach Schaefer on. That was great, another new coach, and we were able to uh, at least have a, a I'll call it a mini pod and uh, and release that last week. So so all that to be said, that's that's kind of what's happening and you just almost go week by week right now you guys are in the same mode right a little bit yeah there's a lot going on Uh, i know for us right now this feels like the busiest time of year because you as you said you still have fall sports that are going on your winter sports have started hockey obviously is the one that covers both of those seasons that's in full swing is it the busiest time of year for you bill would you say yeah i i I would say it's fair I, I you know there's a couple um, time frames that that get awfully busy March gets busy too uh, at the end of the end of the fall excuse me the winter seasons and then you've got those championships kind of happening on the basketball side and Sioux Falls and then you've got uh, potentially a home quarters or an away quarters uh, you know depending on how that plays itself out obviously last year was an away quarters but then uh, then the frozen face off and you know you're, you're just there that that period of time too Alex is really busy for us in fact so much so we do an all staff meeting once a month so but we take March out 
<laughs> because it, there's just too many things going on. And, and yeah. honestly, you're going to miss too many people at that point in time. So um, that's probably what that probably is a, a good indicator of how much is going on. But boy, when football is kind of coming to an end and hockey's in play and and basically the basketballs have started, it, it's a busy time of year, no doubt. Yeah, a busy time, a fun time too. And fun, obviously, when teams are performing well and performing the way that we hoped they would. And that's really been the case across sports lately. A lot of successes to talk about. We're going to get the brief rundown of what's been going on around UND Athletics from this past weekend and get the scene set for another busy week coming up, a very important week on the horizon. But before we get to that, a little newsworthy action going on yesterday over at the REA, an announcement that we have teased on this podcast that people have hinted at over the last year or so, finally made official North Dakota in the Hockey Hall of Fame game in Nashville, coming up next October the 17th, 2020, taking on Penn State. They'll talk about that announcement and just all the excitement that goes along with it. Yeah, I mean, it probably could be dubbed the worst-kept secret in Grand Forks, probably, right? <laughs> or or in beyond. <laughs> Let me first start by uh, thanking Jody Hodgson and the REA and our, our partners and and family there. They do such a great job and uh, you know started this a couple of years ago and uh, it just really has taken off. I think our fan base just really um, loves the thought of, of going and sort of descending on a city. And so, uh, um, you know, truth be told, behind the curtain, really, it was Jody's X's and O's. He's kind of kept me along. If I, I'm in the car, so to speak, but I'm probably more in the passenger seat than the, the driver's seat. And that's why the reason why is obviously it's it, it's it's his uh, announcement to make yesterday, but he's done a heck of a lot of work toward that end. And it was tricky for a while, I'll be honest with you, to get it over the goal line. And and not that anything in a, in a, in a, in a way that is actually that significant, it just was a timing thing that just never came to fruition. And, uh, and then once it finally did a couple of weeks ago, the one thing that we wanted to work on was to make sure that there was hotel rooms uh, that were associated with this particular announcement. And within those hotel rooms that I'll call it this, Alex, it's more like there's multiple bands of types of hotel rooms that you can, uh, that you can, um, pick and, and at the end you're picking and the good news is you're going to see a sea of green no matter what hotel you pick so that's kind of neat so so a lot of information got sent out yesterday for sure and i can tell you this val sussex is um answering a lot of calls right now as far as navigating the waters of our champions club members and uh but it's exciting it really is i i've never been to nashville so um oh. Have you been to Nashville? Uh, years ago. Actually, when my brother and uh, one of our good friends and I were driving back from Red Sox spring training, we, stro- we drove through Nashville and just a very brief swing through. Didn't spend a lot of time there, but beautiful. It's a beautiful part of the country, certainly. And uh, my wife's been there on a couple of occasions. Beautiful city. So yeah, a, a very exciting announcement that that's going to be the next spot for one of these destination games for sure. Well, and... and- Needless to say, that city really has embraced hockey. And, uh, and so, you know, I think two things. I, I know that our, our fan base will travel tremendously well there. And I know I think there's a lot of excitement around it. But I do think there's going to be some Preds fans 
that will probably want to go to that game as well. So, uh, so I just really excited about the potential experience down there and, uh, uh, you know, really in the way I think, uh, the, the Vegas thing, uh, kind of played itself out something similar as well. Some, something, uh, will be in play on Friday night, uh, uh, as kind of a destination. Should you want to, uh, go, uh, uh, go and uh, have some fun, I think, with other UND fans would be probably the best way of putting it. And then uh, there'll be still a pre, um, uh, pre-party, if you will, prior to, uh, to the game on Saturday night. And so uh, it should be a lot, a lot of fun, a lot of excitement. I can tell you this, there's been a lot of activity since that announcement yesterday. So if you're interested, I would strongly suggest to uh, certainly call Val over in uh, Champions Club and uh, she can kind of work you through. But there's a lot of good information out there uh, at this point as well. Yeah, if you go to the REA website, and if, if you have a tough time finding the specific destination, if you go to the Fighting Hawks Athletics website as well, they can direct you there. But anything you need to know about hotel reservations, which can be booked already, 2,500 rooms that have been set aside for UND fans at discounted rates. And as, as Bill mentioned, kind of a myriad of price points as well. It's almost like you're going to like Universal Orlando Resort, where you've got like six different hotels, and you can either do the really, really high ends, kind of the middle of the pack, the more budget-friendly spot. All those are available. And as you said, too, so many different fan experiences that have been planned out where the REA has bought out what the entire wild is it the wild horse saloon that they've they've bought every seat in the place and you can buy tickets for that particular UND fan event. The great fan fest party that's going to take place before the game, much like it was out in Vegas. It's just going to be an awesome, awesome weekend in a beautiful city. Gosh. And a great opponent as well. I think that's sort of the underlying thing. Minnesota obviously isn't the team that UND will be facing off this time. There is zero tradition with Penn State. They've never played each other. But this is a big name, of course, in college athletics. The Nittany Lions from State, I mean, from Happy Valley. It's a big deal. And this is a Penn State team that has grown in national prominence. They've been an NCAA qualifier on a handful of occasions. They have a unique style uh, in which they are going to shoot at sight at the Nets, and they are one of the highest scoring teams in college hockey. They're a top 10 team again this year. It's going to be a really fun occasion on a number of levels. Uh, one thing I do want to ask, obviously with the Vegas experience, the Ralph chose to go with a smaller venue as opposed to going into the NHL arena, T-Mobile. They went you know, with the Orleans, which is about a 7,500-seat facility. This time, that's not the case. This is at the Bridgestone Arena where the Predators play. 17,000-plus can fit into that place, and Jody's confident that it's going to sell out. Can you imagine what that experience is going to be like if we get the numbers? I guess, was there a conversation about trying to find a smaller venue or was it always going to be Bridgestone Arena from, from the start? From the start was Bridgestone, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. And, uh, I, you know, I think if you, and again, I know we had Jody on last year and we, we'll, I'm sure we'll have a, another appearance uh, from uh, from Jody again, maybe as kind of an update at some yeah. stage. But but I think what he would he would tell us is, as as good as that experience was in Vegas, um, having to kind of install everything because they didn't have uh, an NA, uh, excuse me a, a hockey team playing in there. They had had that what about four or five years ago, but um, kind of having to retrofit everything, I think made it you know, a, a, a real challenge, I would say it worked out great. I mean, and, and what, yes. what, but I think going into now kind of a ready-made sort of, uh, facility, uh, makes a whole lot of sense. And, uh, you know, I, I think this, I, I, I it, 
we've had a couple different experiences where we just know our fans travel. And, you know, if it's, if it's the right venue at the right time, I think, you know, it makes a whole lot of sense. And so uh, I think the Nashville piece will be great. And I agree with you on the Penn State. I, I think for Penn State and for college hockey, obviously, uh, to grow the sport, it's great to showcase uh, a program that has, hasn't taken long for them to, uh, to be fairly prominent in, uh, in the landscape of, of college hockey. So it'll, it'll be a great opponent for us. Um, have never played them before. That'll be our first scheduled time. Uh, you never know how life goes this year. Never know. Could, <laughs> could, could meet up sometime in April. You never know. You never know. So, uh, but you know, we're excited about it. And, and it, 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 I don't know if I could have gone to any more games without being asked the question, when is the Nashville announcement going to be made? Which it turned into, when's the announcement going to be made? So when's the Nashville announcement going to be made? Like, like folks are just like, hey, I, whatever. We know it's Nashville and we know it's Penn State. When is it going to be done? What, you know, I's had to be dotted and T's had to be crossed. Yeah, well, we're excited that that has happened, that all the paperwork's in, that this is now official. It's on the schedule again, October 17th, 2020. Again, if you want more information, go online, REA website, UND website, a lot of good stuff out there to get to get your fix about a year in advance or so. 11 months away, Bill. We're 11 months away from the Hockey Hall of Fame game. Can't wait. It'll it'll be great. You know, um, football's on the road that day. Yes, that's another big piece. That That's a good piece of that puzzle. And uh, we want it to be as sensitive as we can with that. And, uh, you know, sometimes, Alex, you know, you just can't control dates at times, you know, when venues are available. And so, um, knock on wood, hopefully this will all go well. And I know there's a ton of excitement, uh, certainly uh, today in Grand Forks. Yeah, certainly. And there will be for a long time. For the next 11 months or so, that's going to continue to ramp up. Exciting news broken on Monday of this week about that Hockey Hall of Fame game coming up next year in the country music capital of the world. Hockey, of course, and you mentioned it earlier, was on the road this past weekend. Let's just keep keep that track going. A big, big series win against Denver in Magnus Arena, something the team hadn't done since 2003. And there have been some pretty good UND teams over the years. An impressive performance to get the two to one double overtime win on Friday night and follow it up with a really impressive four one victory that saw UND have to really deal with a lot of adversity, a five minute major and a number of five on three power plays. And they just got the job done seven games in a row. Now unbeaten. You were there of course at Magnus. What were your impressions of the weekend bill? Yeah. Better trip than the last time I was there for sure. <laughs> uh, you know, certainly better, better flight home. Uh, and I know our guys, our guys really did a great, great job for sure. And, uh, um, yeah, I, 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 it was a really, really fast game on Friday and not a lot of space and room. And just uh, I just thought it was two really good teams going at it. I mean, that, that's, you know, and, and it probably a tie was, as we like to say in soccer, right? Probably was a fair result to some degree, but it was nice to get the extra point. And uh, for Colton to to, you know, find the back of the net. And, uh, uh, you know, even though technically it's a tie, it, it was a big point. 
it was a huge point. Um, and then knowing going into the next night, if you could find a way to win and you get five out of six, which is what happened, boy, I'll tell you what, right now, you know, you're sitting at 11 points versus three with Denver and uh, you're only a couple of weeks in to the, uh, to the NCHC season and you're eight points clear at this stage. But, you know, we know there's a lot of hockey left, no doubt about it. But, you know, I, I don't think you can undersell the fact that I thought it was a, a great weekend and now we got to find a way to keep building on it. That's a great point. And, and that's, that's the way the last couple of weekends have felt. North Dakota's played really well. They've, they've earned results. They've looked like a team that is just different than the one that we saw last year and the year before that would just have moments and, and, and struggle, have moments of greatness, but also have, have, have a difficult time stringing games back to back or having periods back to back of solid, consistent performance. Effort always there, performance not always able to hit those expectations. And this year now, over the course of really every weekend, we've seen just this team continue to take steps forward and to do so on the road against a team that had been ranked number one in the country for the majority of the season. Also a team that had UND's number, a huge confidence boost once again for this team. And now the buzz, the narrative around this team is flipped. Now it is, hey, instead of is UND back? It feels like, no, UND is back. They're, they are back to where they were a couple of years ago. They have to keep it going, of course. But at this point in the season, all evidence points to the fact that North Dakota is playing like North Dakota and is going to be a contender and not just for a Penrose Cup, but for a national championship. Yeah, I, you know, and again, there, there's such a long way to go, but uh, a lot can change. Long but season. I thought it was incredibly important that we got off to a quick start this year. I really do, I, for for a variety of reasons. Um, but it just goes to show how tough our conference is. Where you know, Denver going into conference play is eight zero and zero, eight zero and zero, and now they're what zero two and two. <laughs> or something to that effect, right? Yeah. Or maybe one, two, I, but, but long story short, there, you know, it's such a difficult conference that, you know, once you, you, if you can survive it in some way, shape or form, you are just set up to, to play on a national stage. And so, um, yeah, I thought our guys played great, but you know what, we're in a, we're right in the midst of really some tough series at this point. Now you get a St. Cloud team, uh, obviously not off to the start that they want to get off to, to at this point. So they're going to come in with, uh, wanting to get things right. And, uh, uh, you know, obviously then go to, uh, the twin cities and then, uh, then have a tough, t- tough trip, uh, to, uh, Western Michigan. And so, uh, these next three weekends, uh, uh, we're, are going to be really, really difficult as well. We, I always say this, but I can't believe that we're at this point in the calendar, that it's Thanksgiving coming up, that there's only three weekends left in the first half of the season. UND only has one home weekend left in the first half. That's incredible. And it's a great opportunity. Again, great opponents on the schedule, important games, two in conference. There are two series in conference, of course, one against their greatest rival. I mentioned on Twitter the other day, again, just enjoy this team, you know, enjoy this ride, enjoy the weekend that's coming up because it feels like that special things can happen and you got to get behind this group so they can try and accomplish it. Uh, one one young man, by the way, that's having a special season already, Adam Scheel, who was the NCHC goaltender of the week and was just named the number two star in the NCAA. An incredible weekend for him, 57 saves, only allowed a goal per game against a really good offensive pioneer team. He's top five in the country in goals against now. It, he's just he's bounced back from a season ending injury and has become, you know, even better than he was as a freshman when he was an all conference guy. 
just incredible performance by him and by the defense in front of him early in this season. Yeah, he's just been a rock. He really has. And uh, Denver had a lot of great A's, um, uh, you know, that that hot opportunities. And they're so opportunistic team. They're they're quick. They they, they just next thing you know, um, you know, wow, they're they're in the slot and they just uh, they're firing on you. And uh, and he just does such a fantastic job of, of stopping pucks. And our, you're right, our decor, who um, has shown its depth, really, um, which is really fun to see as well. Um that, you know, I, I think we're just going to be better for it as, as, as time goes on right now. I, you know, I thought, you know, Johnny's played pretty well over the last couple of weeks, but he came down with some uh, like flu type symptoms and that, that opened the gate. You never know when your opportunity is going to come and you never know where you're going to be when your opportunity comes. <laughs> that story about Josh Rieger that Brad Schlossman had in the Grand Forks Herald. Can you beat that? How can you top that? And un- what, what did you make of the, the chicken wing story? That, that's got to be up there. And I guess if, if folks are, are, are tracking on this to some degree, I mean, the team leaves so early to the rink that at the end of the day, if you're not, if you're not suiting up, and it's only about literally a mile from, from the rink. And so, you know, there's really no reason to be at the rink that early. And so, uh, uh, so it just... Funny. Uh, that's all I can tell you. It's funny, and uh, but you know, you never know when your number's gonna get called. And so yeah, I tell you what, it will. Be, my guess is this: it's gonna provide pause for anyone that's not suiting up uh, on any particular game. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. Reggie eating a pound of chicken wings when he finds out that he's gonna be in the and not in the starting lineup, but dressed and ready to go as one of the main defensemen on this team. I believe he showed up seven minutes late to warmups, like had to race, get an Uber across town. <laughs> Check out the story if you've not read this, but I'm sure you have. It's incredible stuff. So anyway, congratulations, UND. Great weekend on the ice. Not a bad weekend in the football field either. North Dakota able to pull off a 45-38 win at home over Northern Colorado. An important win. Obviously, the ending got a little bit tight, but... They put up 45 points, looked really good through three quarters, and they get a big win. And that gives them an opportunity still for a potential FCS postseason berth. Yeah, the one thing I think it shows, Alex, and it doesn't matter what team you are, if you turn the ball over, you give teams opportunities. And, you know, and I think we got to a place where we were ready to pretty much close out the game. And then, uh, unfortunately, we uh, we had a couple uh, uh, a couple turnovers and, uh, and and gave life to northern Colorado. And, you know, give give opponents credit too, right? It's like, you know, they're not going to, you know, they've got one game a week too, and they're, they're trying to figure it out themselves. And they're trying to, you know, play for, you know, finishing the year strong, heading into the uh, off season and trying to get into recruiting and doing those types of things. So um, I thought we played, you know, for the, greater part of that game very, very well. Um, and, you know, now that just sets us up. We knew we had to check the one box you had to check, and it was a big first box to check, win the game. And that happened. And now I would say going into this weekend, that same box is there, and it might even be bigger. And, uh, and you know, all the other stuff are smaller boxes, but the one big box is – Try to find a way to be better than Southern Utah at the Alara Center on Saturday. Yeah, this is a Southern Utah team coming in at 3-8, and eight, but on the back of a one-point win against Northern Arizona. In some ways, they have some similarities with Northern Colorado in which they've 
perhaps underperformed a little bit this season, but they still beat Idaho State just like UNC did. They've still had a couple of quality wins on their season, and they're only a couple of years removed from being Big Sky champs. So it's not as if this is a a team that's coming in that's just going to lay down. I mean, it will be a fight Saturday at 1 o'clock for sure. Yeah, Coach Warren has been Coach of the Year in the Big Sky Conference before. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, again, I, I think I tweeted it after the game. Each week is its own. You know, I, you you have expectations on how you want it to go, but you actually have to plan for it and then actually plan for things to probably go left or right on you, too. And you have to adjust during the game. And, you know, we 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 did certainly uh, more than enough to put us in position uh, this past Saturday to get that thing done in which we did. And now we've got to do the same thing here. And, you know, I I, I know this about football teams, no matter what year you're having, you always want to go out with a win. I mean, that, it's almost like leaving a basketball court making a shot. I mean, I, mean who, I don't know who doesn't leave a basketball court not making a shot. You know, and if you do, probably bad karma for the day. And so at the end of the day, I think, you know, a Southern Utah team is going to come in. And here's the other thing that's, that's dangerous, too, is they can go in a lot of different directions. When I was at Eastern for all those years, always played Portland State at the end of the year. Sometimes Portland State would have good years, and sometimes they might be in the same position. Saw everything under the sun. Like, they, they pulled they pulled all, all the stops. And so I think Southern Utah, you have to be concerned that, that you know, they we might see some things that, that have been, what, 11 games on film hasn't been there. That's a possibility. This is kind of the kitchen sink game for them. We're like, why, why keep anything in your locker at this point? Game seven of baseball. I mean, exactly. at some point, you're going to decide, does my starter have it right now? And, and that could be actually in the first inning. That could be in the second inning. And, you know, so, I, so these are kind of, I don't say tricky games, but they're certainly a little different games. And so at the end of it all, we've got to find a way to get to seven and four. Seven and four put you squarely in the conversation for an at-large bid. And so, you know, then the question is, well, is that enough? Well, we'll only know at the end of the day because there's still so much more to, 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 to be played around the country this week. And we just won't know until all those, all those games play itself out. You know, I, I, you know, there's prognosticators out there, which is great. I mean, I think it's great for FCS to have those folks out there because they do a nice job. Um, you know, uh, whether it's Brian McLaughlin or Sam Herter or Craig Haley, they, they, you know, they always kind of put the prognostication out there. Well, the question is, you have to ask, are they doing it anticipating what schools are going to end up or are they doing it as if the season has ended right now? And again, I, I mean, there's two ways of doing it. And really, I think the majority of them do it as if the season has ended just right then. And who would be in it? Well, there's another week left. And so that's what we have to do as a, as a, as a program. We just have to go in, focus all in on Southern this week. And you know what? Then we let the chips fall where they may. Well said. That's probably you said a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. All of your roots, all your, all your cheers, all, all the good karma. You're just putting it on UND. There's no need to share that around with other teams around the rest of the country who are like, well, if this team wins, that helps us, and if this team loses, that helps us. That's probably the right way to go because there are so many different variables. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The, you know, there's going to be some teams that if they lose it will be helpful to us because mm -hmm. they might get their fifth loss of the season. There's no question about that. 
But I would say first and absolute foremost is we've got to take care of our own business. And, you know, that, that we, we can only control what we're going to control on Saturday. And then around the country, you know, no different than uh, I think it was two years ago where maybe we were 13th in the pairwise and a lot of strange things happened in, in conference tournaments. And unfortunately, we were on the outside looking in after a number of uh, teams won conference tournaments that were outside, what, the 16 of pairwise. And so, you know, it's kind of the same concept in a, in a weird way, but there's no doubt we have to take care of our business. And then, you know, I, I, I think the strength of our schedule has been um, truly second to none going into the year for sure. Obviously years play itself out and then that kind of evolves, but going in, I, I, I would say, we're the only team in the country that were playing a, the two finalists from Frisco last year. And so, you know, to have that on your, on your resume versus others, you know, that's just part of it. So we knew we had a difficult schedule coming in and if we can navigate it uh, for one more week to go seven and four, I think it's pretty impressive. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Saturday, 1 o'clock, huge game at the Alera Center. Senior day, a chance to celebrate a senior class that's been through a lot, that's won a Big Sky title, that is now trying to get back to the playoffs for the second time in their careers. Go celebrate that team and hopefully will them to a big win over Southern Utah. And then if if the win happens, get ready. Selection Sunday, 1130 on ESPNU. We'll find out North Dakota's fate, whether in, whether where they're playing, who they're playing or whether or not it's going to be a 2015 situation where seven wins isn't enough and you can send your angry letters to various people around the country. Um, One thing, by the way, too, I want to note, if you are a university that wants to host a playoff game that thinks you've got a shot, those submissions were due yesterday, Bill, correct? You had to send in your bids if you wanted to be an FCS host already, even though the the season hasn't ended. Talk about that process really briefly. So we know... Uh, you know, the way it's going to go for us, uh, if we're fortunate enough to win the game on Saturday, we would be uh, an at-large, uh, you know, we'd, we'd make it as an at-large. And at seven and four, you would not be a top eight seed. I mean, it just that's just being, you know, realistic as far as how that will play itself out. If we were ever had finished maybe eight and three, you were kind of flirting with a potential seed at that point in time. But I think at seven and four, you're talking about playing the first weekend of the playoffs. And so for folks that are unfamiliar with uh, the playoff process, 24 teams make it 10 automatics from the 10 leagues around the country. So that leaves 14 at large berths. Teams one through eight get seeded. So those seeded teams do not play next the following weekend, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Do not play. They have a bye. And so actually seeds uh, teams nine through 24 will play. So there'll be eight games and those will get uh, uh, bracketed based on their regionality and whether they've played each other already this year. And so, so there are some bracketing principles that occur, but ultimately if I make it and you make it, Alex, and we get paired up because of distance, regionality, and whether or not we've played already this year. So we play each other, then the committee will then open up bids and say, okay, what does this bid look like versus that bid? And then they'll award a home game at that stage of the game. Yeah. And then the following week, let's just say you're, you're fortunate enough to make it. And it doesn't matter whether you're home or on the road. It really doesn't matter. You're going to play a game. Um, if you were to win that game, 
you would then feed in to one of the top eight seeds. And they ha- they'll have a home game because they have earned the home game. So technically, as an at-large, you could have a home game the first week of the playoffs. You'd definitely be on the road the second week. And then the third week, you technically could have a home game again. You could. It could be two unseeded teams. We've seen that over the last you know decade or so. Um, and then even, even the semifinals, there's a chance that two unseeded teams could be in it. So you end up putting in bids for all the rounds when you hit send yesterday. Yeah, isn't that wild? And so for folks at home who are looking at this, again, from North Dakota's perspective, if they make the playoffs, they would be a 9 through 24. But there isn't necessarily a numbered system. It's not like UND would be the 12 seed or the 16 seed or the whatever. You are just in a big hat and you get paired up, as you, as you mentioned, based on regionality and based on the fact if, if you are already, have you played each other already this season? And then when it comes to those two teams, the committee's not necessarily looking at the records or who earns a home game versus a road game. It's solely based on how does this work out financially? Who made a better bid? And that's who gets awarded that home contest, correct? Yeah, there's there's certainly, I would say, the criteria. Um, and again, never having served on the committee and only understanding it from folks that have, I, I, the financial consideration is not the end all of it, but it is a strong consideration of it. So whatever the guarantee is to the NCAA is probably the number one consideration, but there's facility issues as well. And just, um, you know, how can you host a team? Can it be a kind of a championship experience and, and those types of things? And so, so I'll call it, there's probably a laundry list of things in addition to just the flat out dollar amount. And so, so that's kind of how it goes. But, you know, from all indications that I've ever heard is that, you know, the bracket gets made first and then it's between the two teams that are bracketed as to what direction they're going to go for a home game. Yeah. If folks are really interested in the minutia of this, all this is public information. If you go online to the NCAA website, you can kind of parse through the selection committee process in general, what teams make it in is at largest, and then also how do they determine who hosts these opening round playoff games between two at-large teams? Really interesting. St- and then, well, yeah, really interesting stuff. Really interesting stuff to dig into. So what you have to do, I guess, from an administration standpoint, you're always having to be ahead and try to figure out, well, what happens if we're fortunate enough to win the game Saturday? What happens if we're fortunate enough to host on the Saturday uh, following Thanksgiving, which is literally then what? A six-day turnaround uh, from the time we find out on Sunday. So you'll get information we will be getting information out to everyone as far as how to how to purchase tickets, et cetera. So uh, um, so all of that to be said, <laughs> you just have to be ahead of it. I mean, yeah. you've got to kind of turn and burn and, and kind of get it done, uh, you know, pretty pretty darn quick. And so so those all of those things are uh, being, I guess, worked on right now. And uh, our staff is doing a great job with that. Got to have a plan. Got to execute just like the team has to do on Saturday to give themselves a shot on Sunday. So get get excited to pay attention and to cheer loud on Saturday at 1 o'clock and then get ready for the fallout should North Dakota improve to 7-4 and four with a big win over Southern Utah. A couple quick house cleaning things from the previous week. Just a quick shout out to volleyball. Obviously, things didn't go the way they wanted to in the final week of the season. Got a big win against South Dakota State, but couldn't finish it out and get that extra win to earn a spot in the Summit League tournament. They lose in four to Oral Roberts on senior night. I, I just kind of the, the final thoughts about Jeremiah Tiffin's first year and the volleyball team who had a good season, just not quite good enough to keep it going. Yeah, I, I think uh, 
you know, I think he's going to be excited about continuing to build, uh, you know, the program and, and I guess maybe rebuild it, if you will. Um, you know, Ashley played her final match and she's just been uh, tremendous for us. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I'd say certainly not the way, you know, he wanted it to, to, to end. And, and I think making tournaments are always an important thing for, for teams. And, uh, you know, it wasn't from lack of effort. It just, uh, you know, there's, you know, they had a, a little bit of an injury bug at times, but I, I he will not use that as an excuse. I, I, I'd say it, it, it's, it's true though. We probably hasn't, haven't been as healthy as we wanted to be this year, but at the end of the day, um, I think he's excited about the future. I know he's excited about the recruits he's bringing in. So, uh, so, uh, I think more to come from that program. Yeah, certainly. Shouts to Ashley Bergerman, who finishes seventh in program history in kills, over 1,200 kills, over 1,400 points. Uh, really impressive, the lone senior who finishes her career this past week. It was really emotional. Former teammates came down after the game. She didn't realize that she had a couple of, of close friends, Faith Dooley and Jordan Thale and Olivia Frazee, among others, kids that she had played with over the years, came back to celebrate her on senior night. Just another example of the bond that student athletes get to make over the course of their four or five years in a particular place, in a program. Really special stuff at the Betty. Even in a, in a sad losing effort, really cool to see that support and that bond. No doubt, no doubt. Both hoops, of course, in action. The women keep it rolling. A couple of wins this past week over Rhode Island and Valpo. Two narrow wins that they took care of business on at home. They're on the road now this week. And it early returns have been really good. UND women 3-1 and one now with this new look crop of kids that are just getting the job done, Bill. Yeah, I, it's fun to watch. They're uh, um, they're fearless, you know. They 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 they, you know what? I and I, I just keep it that way. Just go in and play with that type of, uh, uh, I guess, unbridled sort of uh, passion. And it, it, and we've played pretty darn well, uh, uh, playing a pretty good Rhode Island team, obviously out of the A10, and then uh, and then following it up with a, a win over Valpo Valley School. So uh, I thought it was just impressive. Both fairly tight games and, and obviously the Grand Canyon one as well. So there's something to be said for a team that just, you know, gets within the last couple minutes of the game and they just make the right play or, or figure out. And, you know, in, in certain circumstances, we've had to make a defensive stop. We've had to score to, to win. So I there's a lot of different ways this team's already uh, figuring some things out early on. So feels like it's a little bit of a resilient bunch. Yeah, fun to see different kids step up as well. You mentioned winning games in different ways. You know, Melissa Leet had a career-high 15 points in the win against Rhode Island. Jacqueline Jarnett has had a great game against Grand Canyon. She was kind of the star against Valpo as well. Claire Orth made the big steal at the end of that Valparaiso game. Some of the freshman kids also have played well. It's it's good to see that depth already emerging just four games into the season. They'll get a chance to test it now on the road again down in Statesboro, Georgia. They take on Georgia Southern on Wednesday, then back home against Illinois State Sunday at 2, and then Northland Tuesday at 6 in a, in a men-women doubleheader, which will be kind of fun. So a busy week coming up for the ladies and for the guys. It will be. And another team where Ashley Bergman was the only senior, Elena Jarno is the only senior on this team. And so, uh, uh, you know, it's... It's a, uh, an, you know, important senior for sure, but uh, it, it's exciting young, uh, young team that I think is going to get just better and better as it keeps on going. 
Yeah, good things to track on the women's hoop side for Travis Brewster and company. For the men, another young team that was on the road this past weekend, the 74-60 loss at Valparaiso after the defeat at Gonzaga. Obviously, two two road games against two teams that have a little national cachet, and uh, you were obviously with the team in Spokane last week. Just kind of talk about the, the vibe around that group as they start to figure things out here in year one under Paul Sather. Yeah, I think, Alex, you know, anytime there's a, a coaching, uh, a new coach, it, it's just going to take time. It's, it, you know, there's a, there's, you know, if you really think about it for him, he's coaching just a brand new team, no matter if it's our guys that have been here in the program or you get recruits that are coming in. So they're all trying to figure out, you know, what, what coaches is, is wanting from them and how they, uh, how he wants them to play. So, um, you know, as I sat there at Gonzaga watching us, I just, you know, I sat there looking at him, you know, kind of coaching just the entire team literally all the time because, you know, he's not only coaching the five that are on the floor, but also, you know, conveying, I think, to the bench sort of what he's hoping, uh, you know, to, to get done through him and, and his coaching staff. So, yeah, I, I, I think this non-conference season, I, I think it's going to be lots of growing for this team and uh, they just got to stick with it. They just got to stay with it, hopefully get some results along the way. And I think when we get to summit league play, regardless of what our record is, I think we could be a dangerous team. Yeah, I would agree with you. Certainly the the talent is there and it's just a matter of putting all those pieces together. So another couple of road games on the way this week at Milwaukee on essentially tonight, Tuesday night at seven o'clock and then at Minnesota at the barn on Sunday at six. And then that home date coming up against North central Tuesday at eight 30, the second half of that double header with the women as well. So good opportunities again this week to get better for both of those programs. Anything else that kind of you want to touch on on your radar, Bill? Not at all. You know, it's just, again, thank you, everyone, for uh, coming to our games. We had a really terrific crowd uh, for women's basketball on Sunday. So uh, it just was uh, it was awesome to see. And, uh, um, yeah, no, just exciting for uh, another uh, busy week ahead and uh, our last hockey football doubleheader, which rest your voice, rest your voice. <laughs> This podcast has already gone too long. I really should have kept me surely. <laughs> I'm going to watch my reps going into this weekend. Uh, no, it'll be good. Yeah, it, obviously St. Cloud State coming to town on Friday and Saturday, 7.30 on Friday, 7 on Saturday, and then football against Southern Utah at 1 o'clock and all the other events that are going on as well. Busy week on the way, but looking forward to it. Always a good one. B-side, short B-side, short B-side today. Since we potted last, Bill, we had... An incident involving your Pittsburgh Steelers on Thursday night football. Uh, the team, of course, losing 21-7 to the Browns. That snaps a four-game win streak and doesn't knock them out of playoff contention. The AFC is still so wide open for those wildcard spots. The division probably is gone now the way Baltimore is playing. But at the end of that game, of course, your quarterback got into a little scuffle with uh, Miles Garrett and things happened. <laughs> How did you... How did you experience it, Bill? What were your initial thoughts? And have you had a chance to reflect on the fact that your quarterback got hit in the head with his own helmet? What What, what are your thoughts? So I was in a hotel room uh, in Denver and watching the game. And I was done about two minutes to go because our, my team was done. And I figured I'm done. And so uh, I flipped it over to Sports Center, And my son texted me and said, what was that? And I'm like, what do you mean, what was that? He goes there's some sort of a melee going on. <laughs> so he goes, you better flip back. And so that's when I caught everything. And, 
Yeah, I, you know what I'll say to you? So here's where I'm going to come from. I'm not even going to get into the incident because it just was silliness. Is in the AFC North, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying this is my opinion. There's such hatred among those four teams that the only two teams that can handle the hatred is Pittsburgh and Baltimore. They, they can be on prime time. They don't like each other, but I think there's a modicum of respect among those two teams. Cincinnati and Cleveland, I know they've gotten into it with Baltimore before, and they've gotten into it with Pittsburgh before. If I was the NFL, I would play those games, Baltimore and Pittsburgh against Cleveland, Cincinnati. Every time has to be Sunday at one. Hmm. A, you don't get a primetime window. You don't get a primetime win. Now, it, the thing that happened a few years ago at Cincinnati, that was a playoff game. And so they were going to get a primetime window at that point. But if there's actually an effect where you uh, can decide whether or not they get the whole world to watch them, I, I, I'm not sure that they should be doing that at this point in time. I don't know what was Cleveland was doing that night. They were. I know that they were. they were. they were making a point all night, would be my guess. A lot of violence in that game. A lot of, a lot of, uh, it, it was kind of one of those games that if you were a, uh, a person that really is anti-football, that would maybe be a case in point one where you could say, hey, this is why this really shouldn't be a sport. Just the way that the guys were throwing themselves around, got people bleeding from their ears and guys taking helmets off. It wasn't great. It wasn't a great advertisement. But like you said, the history between those two and between all these teams, I, what do you think that stems from? I just out of curiosity, why do these teams hate each other so well, much? Well, I think Pittsburgh and Baltimore, if you think about it, the four, the, since it became what, four, four team divisions, early 90s, uh, what, Pittsburgh and Baltimore, I think, won the division, division every year. And so, so I, I know Baltimore always respects what Pittsburgh's doing and vice versa. I think Cleveland and Cincinnati kind of are always feeling as if they're being either picked on or they've got to prove themselves. And, you know, it just gets weird. I, I mean, that just wasn't good. And, you know, I, I, no, one's, uh, no one's an angel during that whole thing. It, it wasn't good. And, uh, you know, I mean, as far as the play on the field, I still think I'm right that Mason Rudolph at best is a backup. And, and, and the one thing the Steelers have, and if you told me they were going to be five and five after 10 after their start, I probably would have signed on for that. So start there. Um, so I'm not all that caught up in the loss, if you will. I just don't, I, I think Rudolph is probably going to be a serviceable backup where potentially, you know, he can get you a month uh, here and there and, 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 and do some things. But his awareness to me is still I, 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 unaware is, is the best way of putting it. Throw four picks against the Browns. Not great. Not great. He's, he's just kind of been, as you said, he would probably be right about that. He's just an average, maybe a slightly below average quarterback, certainly in the league as a starter. I mean, there's been guys like that. I don't want to say he's Frank Reich, but I mean, there's been guys over the course of time that, that have been pretty good. But I've not seen a quarterback. And again, I certainly I haven't seen a Steeler quarterback over the course of like, just say, I don't know how many games he's played, six, something like that. And he's taken two safeties. Now, that's the truth. That has happened. And it really could have been like he would have been down there back there forever, like taking more safeties if, if the safety didn't come at that point in time. So I, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. I was texting some of my Steeler buddies and just said, yep, I'm out. I'm out with him. I'm out. 
I'll give you a lot of credit. You've been on that from the start. I, th- or I think after the first maybe week or two, you already were pushing for Hodges. Yeah, I wanted Hodges. He's got more moxie to him. He's got he's got some things to him. I, I and, and I and I know they spent the third round draft pick on on on, on Mason Rudolph, so they're going to give him every chance to to fail. But you know, it's not like Chicago where they spent and they traded up, right? And then they they went away went to number two, and then who, who got picked after him? I think Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And so at the end of the day, you know, that's a tricky one. But it's a third round draft pick. I mean, I hate to say it, certain sometimes you get really fortunate with six round draft picks or seventh round draft picks. And you know what? So sometimes you just got to cut your losses. And right now, I, I for the rest of the year, there's six games left. I would love to see if Hodges could be your guy. Like to me, that would be worth this whole season. If you said to me, said to me, we kind of figured out what's next and what we don't have versus what we might have to now go draft. It won't be in the first round because, you know, obviously they spent Fitzpatrick money, but Fitzpatrick's been pretty good. So, I'm, yeah. I'm not, you know, he's 23 years old. So, I mean, you probably would only hope to get someone like that in the first round this year. So that's not an issue. But, you know, in, in round two, they're going to have to think about potentially a quarterback at that stage. You have an opportunity here next couple of weeks to go, I think, to the Bengals this coming week, Bill, and then home against the Browns. Speaking of teams that don't like each other, you get two more of them in your division right away. But if you can, again, the way that everything else is shaken out, a, a 500 team has got a chance to be a wild card in the AFC, the way things have gone. It's possible. They're going to need to go four and two the rest of the way. I mean, nine and, nine and seven gives you a shot. Nine and seven gives you a shot. But yeah, they're, they're very average. Very average team. I, I think the whole AFC is very average. New England's kind of got a head scratcher going on right now. Right? I mean, they're offensively, I mean, defensively, they're still very good. But offensively, feel a little bit challenged right now, no? They're having some issues uh, moving the football. The last game against the Eagles, which they won 17-10 on the road in really bad conditions. It was a gusty, swirly, windy day in Philly. And not that like you still can't be able to put up points when the weather's bad, but they, there were just some things they couldn't push the ball down the field because of the winds. They're still figuring out their receiving core now. They've, this is like the fourth or fifth iteration of the guys they've got. You know, Sanu is still new. They're dealing with some injuries on the offensive line, and that's really where the issue is. Isaiah Wynn is set to come back this coming week. Um, before until he comes back, they're really limited. You know, their starting center missed, is missed the entire season. If they can find a way to run the football a little more efficiently, that would help a lot, and to give Brady time, that would help a lot as well. But at the end of the day, they are nine and one, and they've basically won the division already again. And more more likely, they, they've got a very tough game this week against Dallas. And they have a tough couple of games on the way. They still have to play Kansas City. They still have to play some of these teams. But it it feels like, you know, that Baltimore team is maybe going to lose one more game. Maybe. I mean, the way they're playing right now, they're going to probably be a 14-2 and two or a 13-3 and three team. So anyway, and, and, they, and they'll have the tiebreaker over New England. So that's, that's the concern as a Pats fan. Like, you're going to make the playoffs. You're probably going to get a bye because everybody else has sort of fallen behind the, the Baltimore-New England duo. But do you really want to be playing the Ravens in an AFC championship game in Baltimore? Not after what we saw two weeks ago. So they're going to have to figure some things out. And honestly, I think they will. They always seem to figure it out. So I'm not, I'm not panicking just yet. It was nice to get the win over Philly. Bill, we're, we're on to Dallas. That's all. That's all I'll say. In Foxborough, right? <laughs> in in Foxborough, right? We're on to Dallas and New England. Yes. I think Dallas is a pretty good. Um, 
they do a pretty good job against pretty bad teams. Like they really, and I, I'm not being a wise guy here. They really, they take care of business. I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how they play a good team on the road. Um, they t- tend to not do well in that scenario. And it's, 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 it's really kind of odd, but I give them credit though, cause they don't slip up against teams. They shouldn't slip up against with the lone exception being the New York football jets. Oh, that's true. That'd be the only one. They yeah. did do that. Yes. Yeah. That was weird. And that was on the road. Right. And so, yeah, I, I'm sure that's a primetime game, right? I mean, that's that They'll be all over New England, Dallas. It should. You know, now that you say that, though, as I'm looking this up, any other B-side things you want to hit? Obviously, it was international break for soccer. So nothing going on there. I still don't know why we need all these international games. I really don't. Um, but we, we have them. So I, I need to just get over it. And uh, and then we play West Ham this week. So uh, and the good news is. I was a, a whisker away from getting up at 5.30 in the morning this past week, but only to realize it was the wrong date. So uh, I, I figured that out, which was good. That, that was a good catch at that point. So, uh, yeah, I got to figure out West Ham this week. And I don't know. I, anything could happen, honestly. They, they're, they're not very good. I'm not sure they like each other. It's a problem. It's a, it's a bit of a problem. Keep pressing on, though. You just maybe maybe this international break has healed all wounds, and everybody's going to come back refreshed and ready to go. And who do you have? Who's Liverpool have? Oh boy, uh, the Cowboys. By the way, playing the Patriots in the late window on Sunday on Fox. It's the national game of the week. Troy Aikman and Joe Buck will be the commentators for that one on uh, the late window on Sunday. And then Liverpool. That's a great question. We I'm so consumed with everything. Crystal Palace is who they get. Saturday at nine o'clock. And, it, and good for you. City plays Chelsea, I think. They do. That's that's a big game. That's a big game. Frank Lampard's Chelsea, who are looking good. Christian Pulisic, who can't stop scoring right now. I think he's got four goals in his last two games for Chelsea. His Americans got a nice four-one win over Canada. Chelsea looked pretty good. I, it's that that'll be a fun match. It's at the Etihad, so we'll see how things go. But yeah, it's it's amazing. One weekend without the Premier League, and you just sort of forget a little bit. Like, oh yeah, what was going on? What's the narrative? They just sucks out. It just those international breaks really just pull any kind of momentum you have. It's just because it really, and again, I mean, I know I'm going to make an obvious statement, but nobody is playing, so the whole league just goes dark. And, uh, you know, and I guess that's just part of it, but it just, it does it. And, and I guess the way we've been reared is that you just, once your season's going, boy, you just, it's, it goes. And that one is just boom stops. It, it, it's just very interesting. Shout out to the Celtics too. I'll tell you what, they're playing pretty well. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. I caught the end of the game against Golden State last Friday night. Marcus Smart saves the ball and, and it ends up being a jump ball. And then Tatum steals the jump ball and, and, and has the huge dunk to essentially seal the win in a tough road game against Golden State, who obviously is not good this year, but still playing at home, playing inspired. Sees have the second best record in the league right now, or at least tied with the Lakers maybe for the best at, at time of potting. I think 11-2, and two, right? I think is what Yeah, Boston I think is. they beat Phoenix last night. So, uh, yeah, so they're uh, they're playing well. And obviously Hayward was kind of back to his, his old self before the injury. So, uh, yeah, it's just funny how it all goes. You know, teams are just interesting when you look at them all. You know, last year's team just wasn't great from a chemistry standpoint. And that might be what I'm looking at with Tottenham this year, for whatever reason. Could be. Their time has come. You know, and I, I just think it'll be interesting. The January transfer window might be their best. Like, if Erickson goes, that could be the best thing for him. You think, you think Christian Erickson is the Spurs' Kyrie Irving? Is that what you're saying? 
I don't know if he wants to be there. <laughs> Christian thinks the world is flat and is ready to move on. I think he, he <laughs> dribbles a lot and he just doesn't want to be there, I don't think. I, I think it would be better for him not to be there because if he was wanting to be who he is, then he is the right guy to be there. But, uh, but I think he's already kind of mentally moved on from the Spurs and I think that's really kind of put them in a tough spot. We're getting existential, so it's probably time to end the pod for today. I think so. (laughs) All right, Alex, always appreciate you. Hey, you as well, Bill. Bill Shaves, our esteemed athletics director, Bill, of course, for our producer, Cassie Niles. I'm Alex Seinert. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy a great weekend of UND Athletics coming up, and we'll chat again next week. Mm -hmm.